Welcome to another Scientology Fair Game episode of the podcast. Is that right, Mike? Episode of the podcast, Leah. <laughs> episode of the podcast. Hi, Mikey. Hi, Lily. How are you? I'm good, sweetheart. So we're doing... Um, Our favorite. Yes. Well, listener's favorite. Yes, actually, that's true. We get tons and tons of comments when we do these listener question episodes. And I got to say, the questions, like I would have thought by now we would have run out of questions, you know, that people have, but they send in these fascinating perspectives. They come from just a completely different perspective than we might even think about, like, Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. I never thought about it that way, or I I never thought about that before. And also, you know, Scientology and cults like it are um, a subject that keeps on giving. So we'll (laughs) never run out of topics when it comes to Scientology. That's very true. Do you want to do a little update on the Danny Masterson trial? What is there to update on the Danny Masterson trial? Well, nothing really other than they try to subpoena me. You know that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that got squashed, thankfully. Oh, good. I No, I hadn't heard that. Okay. What Graham Berry did exactly this at one point in the litigation against Scientology, and he sent process servers into Celebrity Center and served a whole bunch of celebrities. Well, that makes sense. And none of them were anti-Scientology. None of them were going to give any testimony that he believed was going to be helpful to him. Uh It was a tactic to be as harassing as possible. And it worked. It created a kerfluffle and a problem. And, you know, none of these people wanted to get involved and they didn't want it. So yeah, well, that's that's the the personality of lawyers like that who they're not scared of anything or anybody, and they think that they're smarter than everybody, and that they can, okay, they can trick you and outwit you and do whatever it is that lawyers do, and that that's going to work. So they give it a shot. But you know, gotcha. All right, they're also getting paid for doing it. Gotcha. All right. All right, here we are, <laughs> listeners, questions. Thank you, by the way, for continuing to submit these. These are great. And Leah, let me just say, people yeah. people routinely say, I'm not sure where to submit the questions. Okay, you can write the questions on my blog. You can tweet them to me. You can put them onto the comments section of the fairgamepodcast.com website. And that's where actually most people have, Come to put them is on okay. the fairgame.com website, fairgamepodcast.com website. Uh, there is a, a place where you can make a comment and you can ask a question and I go through and note them down and print them out. And then we have a whole pile of them in front of us. Awesome. Are we ready to do this? I'm ready. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Oh, I think ladies first. All right. Let's start with this one. Let's start with the question. About me, shall we? Sure. <laughs> From Donna, Leah, did thinking your daughter would go through the things you did in Scientology play into your decision to leave? Um, I think subconsciously it did because Sophia was only five, I think, when I started leaving. 
Right, Mike? Was she about five? No. Was uh, she 17? No. no. It, yeah. So 17 minus like nine? Nine. Okay. So Sophia was about nine? Ten? I think. Okay. Yeah, nine or ten. All right. So she had been, you know, in 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 the fold, right, since birth, because I was a Scientologist when I gave birth to Sophia, and I just, even though I did the tried to do the silent birth thing, and I, I, but I didn't hire a Scientology nanny. I didn't look to put her in Scientology schools. I didn't have a bunch of Scientologists around her. So I think subconsciously, Mike, I was making plans not to have her there. Right. Uh, you know, she would go to CC, but with my nanny, Celebrity Center, when I was there. But she she wouldn't stay. You know, she was there for short short periods of time. But she was getting to that age where she would definitely have to start. Right. And I just didn't, did not want that for her. Um, well, you got out just in time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because nine ten, Mike. Yeah. I mean, we know people start their children on Scientology at you know the age of five. Right. Yeah. All right. You want to take one, Mike? Yep. Okay, Elliot. What does the organization do with all the money it makes? Simply increasing your bank balance from another episode makes zero business sense. Uh-huh. And that is absolutely true. It makes zero business sense. What? Since it does make to continually increase the bank accounts of Scientology is that L. Ron Hubbard dictated in his policies for Scientology that the ultimate measure of the success of Scientology is the amount of money that it has accumulated. The Every person in Scientology has what's called a statistic, which is a measure of their worth to the organization and the statistic at the top of Scientology is what's called the total Sea Org reserves which is the amount of money and tangible assets that are in the control of the sea organization which is the 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 internal name for the religious workers, quote-unquote, who devote their lives to Scientology. It is the, it's the priesthood of Scientology, and the top of the priesthood is like the Vatican in the Catholic Church, and if you said, what's the measure, uh, what, what does the uh, Pope say is the ultimate measure of the success of the Catholic Church, that is what Hubbard dictated as the ultimate measure of the success of Scientology is the total amount of cash plus tangible assets. That means buildings. They have they have tons of gold bullion that they have stored in bank vaults, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that is why you see this sort of fanatical groveling and scratching and clawing to get money and not to give it away or use it for charitable purposes, but only to spend it on things that uh, remain as assets for Scientology. Okay, here's one. Now, Mike, don't, I know what you're apt to do here, 
in answering, but give a real answer. Right. Okay, ready? <laughs> ready? Here's a question. Can I ask why all the top execs being are being held captive? What did they do? Don't be trite. Right. You know. Well, they are breathing. No, I want give them a real answer. <laughs> give them a real they were breathing. <laughs> That's what I mean. No. What's their okay, real answer? So it could be anything. It could be something uh, uh, such as um, making uh, or saying the wrong thing in a, a media interview or stumbling when speaking at an event and, you know, muffing your lines. Or yeah. it could be that you ordered someone to, to uh, plant roses in front of the conference room where David Miscavige was sitting and he doesn't like roses. So now you're in, you're like literally persona non grata because you are the one that ordered the roses to be planted and rose perfume gives him allergies. But what did Shelly do to deserve being disappeared? We don't know if the woman's dead or alive. Well, what, what did she do? Well, ultimately I'm not entirely sure, but I believe that a couple of things she did not enforce the orders of Miscavige to, uh, you know, reorganize the entire organizational structure of Scientology. Okay, what else? She spoke to people, including Tom DeVocht, about her concerns about Miscavige's sanity. Mm. And that was probably the biggest crime that she committed in crime in quote okay. quotes um, because that indicated to him that she was perhaps not 100% loyal and 100% on his side. Maybe she might side with, with someone else against him. And those sort of things are instant death in the world of Scientology or in the world of David Miscavige. All right. Heber gents. What did he do? Yeah. <laughs> Many things. He flubbed his interviews with various media by saying things that were not correct or were... Correct per David Miscavige. Right, exactly. Okay. Every, everything is in, in this context is okay. what David Miscavige views. Yeah, just want to be clear. As right yeah. or wrong. Yeah. Uh, what Miscavige views as a crime or not a crime. Uh-huh. He... Uh, oftentimes would be somewhat befuddled and non sequitur in responding to the questions that Miscavige would pose to him. Well, and he's he's an older man. He's dealing with lots of medical issues, but yet he was getting in trouble for not answering correctly correct. or quickly. Uh-huh. Correct. And okay. I, I got to say uh-huh. that, it was that wasn't a problem limited to Heba. Young right. people had the same difficulty uh, uh, yeah, because there was no, there was never any correct answer to whatever it was that you were being asked. So the answer to the question is: it's sort of impossible to give an answer that that makes sense to normal people or in mm-hmm. a normal context mm-hmm. in the world of Scientology and the world of David Miscavige. A glance, a 
uh, delay in response to a question, a parting your hair on the wrong side of your head was good enough reason for you to be assigned to uh, manual labor or the whole or whatever. Question. Well, no, comment to uh, also people keep asking me and you on Twitter, you know, where is Shelly? Okay. We don't know. Don't don't know if she's alive or dead. Don't don't know. The answer from the LAPD when I filed a missing persons report or welfare check on her was she's fine. And if you want any more information, you could sue us. Right. Try to go through the Public Information Act, couldn't get anywhere. And that was with a lawyer. Now she has family that's outside. Well, one family member that's outside of Scientology and the Sea Org. And those people should be following up and doing the work. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm not saying that I, I mean, I just took it as far as I can for many thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. And they basically told me to go fuck myself. Yep. From Stephan E., what would happen if one of you tried to rejoin the church? What would they do? Would, what would that look like externally and internally? And what would they make you go through? Would it be different for Leah versus Mike? Well, I can tell you. I doubt you it. Know, hey, first of all, well, I could give you uh, one example. If you look up Marty Rathbun and his current actions. No, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying I to know. Be funny. I okay. wrote down exactly the yeah, same yeah. thing oh, next okay. to this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just look at what Marty Rathbun is doing. He's doing this. What you have to do externally and internally is called A to E steps, not to be confused with the network A&E. <laughs> this is a Scientology <laughs> justice action that's in the books that anybody could look up. It's called Scientology A to E steps. They are very specific. Uh, one of the steps is to give up everybody that has helped you, uh, that you were- uh, Renounce them. Renounce them publicly, and then uh, try to destroy them. And so if you, and then if you're a parishioner like me, you'd have to redo all your Scientology steps. You'd have to repay for all of your Scientology processing. So if you paid 300000 already, 400000 already into Scientology, you'd have to repay that, and you'd have to redo all your courses, which, you know, takes a lifetime. I mean, people are in Scientology all their life until the day they die, and they still don't make it all the way up the the bridge of Scientology because there's very specific steps to achieve. And uh, for Mike, uh, you'd probably have to renounce. You'd have to turn everything over that you and I have ever done. You have to claim that I lied. You'd have to lie and say that... uh, you know, I made you do this, and you have inside information that I was coercing people to say what they said on our program and on our podcast, and you would take steps to attempt to destroy my credibility, and you would be put in the hole, I would assume, right, back at Gold Mike? Yeah, I, I You'd be hanging honestly, out with your, with your friends over there, Heber, Guillaume Leserve. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I sincerely doubt that they would ever let me back into the sea. No, but imagine that they did. That's the question. Yeah, if they, if they did. But, you know, I'd probably have to buy a brown jacket so that I could make videos with gold like Marty did. What does that mean? Marty did all these videos that supposedly um, renounce all of the things, you know, like 
he attacked every episode of of the aftermath with a video that he did and he routinely wore this brown tweed jacket oh (laughs) so i call them the brown jacket videos got you they were shot by gold and you know and scientology sort of pretends that they just happened to notice that marty rathbun had now been telling the truth about Mm. everything and so they started uh distributing and disseminating and relying on these videos as if they were now suddenly the the God's given truth after having accused Marty Rathbun of lying incessantly. Calling him a psychopath and uh, it, yeah, it's just yeah. absurd. It's it's absolutely absurd and two people have seen it and uh you know bless his heart, you know, I guess that's what they provided for him because, you know, he's unemployable. As far as I know, he doesn't have a job. Um, so this is what he's doing for Scientology. Anyway, it's called A to E steps. I'll put them, I'll put them on my blog oh, and great. on the fair game podcast, et cetera, okay. et cetera. All right. Okay. Oh, I get one now. Yeah. Erica. Yeah. Are the PIs hired by Scientology Scientologists? And the answer to this is almost 100% no. Almost all of the private investigators hired by Scientology are not Scientologists. Right. Are lawyers and PIs who protect Scientology members of the church, or are they just doing a job they're paid for? Right. Yeah, so go ahead. So there are a couple of exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. One is a guy called Russ Andrews, who happens to be married to the head of the Citizens Commission on Human Rights Front Group, the anti-psychiatry front group. Mm-hmm. He is a private investigator in Los Angeles who has done a lot of work for Scientology. Basically, that's his only client. The other one is a guy called Dave LeBeau, who did not start out to be a Scientologist, but he became the go-to Scientology PI. And if you look up his name, you'll see numerous uh, references to him, and he became a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. I put an article on my blog Called, I think it was called the Black Bag Department or something, where I listed out who all these private investigators are mm-hmm. and what their background and what they did for Scientology, etc. And I will at- include that link uh, when this episode goes up too. Because, you know, also uh, Kirsten asked, are the attorneys and PIs who work for the church also parishioners? If not, do they not have any morals? <laughs> I guess that there's a lot of attorneys without morals on this earth, but I find it curious if the church has trusted long-term attorneys who are not parishioners or if the church goes through attorneys at the same rate as they do, Leah says the F word. <laughs> <laughs> what a great question. It is. Kirsten, it is. Kirsten you win the award for the best question of the day. <laughs> Okay, the answer to this one, Lee, is that the vast majority of lawyers are not Scientologists. But there are, again, a few who are Scientologists. Most notably, Kendrick Moxon, who has been the sort of in-house go-to attack dog lawyer for Scientology for, I don't know, 20 years or something. And a little and a little side note about Kendrick. I mean, he, being a big lawyer and all, uh, there was some controversy 
about the death of his daughter, who died at the gold base uh, by being electrocuted. It's a really shocking and sad story. And there were people who were out, who were there, who were friends with his daughter, uh, who claim, you know, their theory is that she committed suicide. She was depressed. I mean, this is per people who were friends with her, like Rowan. And uh, 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 funny that her father, the upstanding lawyer and Scientologist, just didn't pursue any negligence on the part of Scientology and the gold base. It's one thing you're a lawyer, you know, you're pretty, you're morally depleted anyway uh, when you're working for Scientology, like a Monique Yingling who is not a Scientologist, but who has worked for Scientology for when you were in, Mike, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Since like the early 90s. But when you lose a child and you do nothing on behalf of her and the death of her, uh, when you know good and well, this was under questionable circumstances that this young woman died. Uh, uh, It says a lot about you. As a person, I think that kind of sums up Scientology lawyers and Scientology parents and Scientology in general when it comes to caring about uh, their children, caring about their husbands and wives. You know, the sole purpose that they live for is to defend Scientology. Anything to add on that, Mike? Absolutely correct. Just a couple of things to add. He goes by Rick usually. His real name is Kendrick, but he's usually referred to as Rick Moxon. Was also an unindicted co-conspirator in the prosecution of the Guardian's office. He's a former member of the Guardian's office and had been involved in the break-ins against the IRS in Washington, D.C., et cetera, et cetera. And will you post that story, Mike, just to remind people that 12 Scientologists were indicted on federal yep, yep. on charges, including Mary Sue Hubbard, uh, went to prison for doing what they're still doing today. Everybody, thanks, Mike. Yep, and also there is a, another sort of infamous Scientology lawyer who uh, rose to prominence and fame during the Internet Wars. Yeah. Uh, her name is Helena Cobrin, mm-hmm. and she was another and is remains to this day a dedicated Scientologist and did a lot of things to try and um, stop the internet, which was, you know, like trying to stick your finger in the dike as the, <laughs> as the yeah. hurricane approached. But I also want to comment on the, on the absurdity of someone like Monique Yingling. Monique yeah. Yingling has been exposed to and aware of the inner workings and activities of Scientology for 30 years, or more than 30 years. Um, She has never become a Scientologist, which is sort of an oddity. One would imagine that if someone was that involved and Scientology truly was the answer to all things for all people everywhere forever— that she would have become a Scientologist. Sure. She has not. But what she did become was the spokesperson for Scientology. She is the person that gets trotted out to appear on on uh, whatever that show is, 2020, 
Is that uh, the one she, she brought she the does. muffins? Uh, yeah, I think she brought the muffins there. She, which is so fucking crazy. Mike, please post that video. Yeah. Well, she she does what she's told. Now, Mike, you have anything to add on that? Because I wanted to. No. Since we no, were no. talking about Kendrick uh, Moxon and the loss yeah. of his daughter, who is a CR member at Gold. Amanda asked, how does Scientology tackle grief, more specifically child loss? By the way, Amanda, my heart goes out to you. I don't, I could, I, I, I don't, I don't even have the words to, I couldn't imagine the pain that you're living with. And my literally thoughts and love go out to you and a big hug to you. I know celebrities get special treatment, but do civilians get the same support and community as GT? Does grief even matter since their ultimate goal is achieving clear? Um, I'll just tell you right now, uh, Scientologists do not not believe in trauma. They do not believe in grief. They are the proponents and the cause of this in all of our lives of grief and trauma. They don't recognize those types of words. Uh, But to give you the cold truth, and Mike, you could stop me if you disagree, their attitude is pretty much... You can cry for about five minutes, uh, but get over it. Like, it's a body, and your children don't really belong to you. And, you know, they're being born into another body as we speak. So get the fuck over it. That is basically how it's dealt with. Am I exaggerating, Mike? No, Leah. Unfortunately, you're not. Um, And I, I also want to express my deepest sympathies to amanda um unfortunately i went through this myself when i was in the sea org we had a child who died um my wife and i she she died at at, in infancy which i think is probably easier to deal with than someone who is a toddler because you haven't really gotten to know or had a lot of memories or connections or whatever but that experience was um it was i i look back on it now and it is perhaps one of the more bizarre things that has ever happened to me or that i have ever been a part of I, i when i say it ever happened to me it's like it just somebody else had done that, but you're exactly right, Leah. The I was obviously a SEOG member at the time, and so was my wife at the time, and I was not even there. I, I had been in Clearwater for the birth of our daughter, um, and then I had gone back to California a couple of days later because clearing the planet was so important that I just had to get back. Well, no, that that wasn't your choice. Your seniors. No, no, but I, I was. That no, well, was you my both, mindset at the time. Well, that, was, but but it wasn't like you would have. You were saying I need to stay with my wife, you know, until that, and that would have been okay. It wouldn't have been okay with right. your senior, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah, but but then you know she fell ill and was. Uh, she died apparently of sudden infant death syndrome. I never really got a great explanation, but I flew back to Clearwater from Los Angeles. 
um, and arrived there and there was a Scientology auditor waiting for me and it was expected that I would just go into session, a mm -hmm. Scientology auditing session, and deal with the grief. Right, in, in one session, yeah. one shot. Yep. Like it may take an hour or it may take two hours, but after the hour or two hours, I was expected to have cleansed myself of whatever Emotions. upset, mis-emotion, yeah. emotion, yeah. feelings uh, about the subject and be ready to resume my duties. Yeah. And that actually is what happened. I was there for maybe a day, and yeah. then I went back to California to get back to clearing the planet. Right. And my, you know, the death of my daughter was like a, a one day event. Right. That was a distraction. Right. Literally. Yeah. And I certainly think like, I, I, when I read this question or when you read this question, I was thinking, well, what would my reaction be now if, if this was, I was talking about Jack, right. my son today, my nine-year-old son, it, it would be so devastating. I'm not sure how I would deal with it. I don't know how I would live. I mean, honestly, I can't even fathom. I can't even fathom losing a child couldn't even fathom it it would be right. so I so listen i don't want to continue to make amanda live like you know i just again my heart goes out to you i hope you're okay i hope you're doing okay and i hope you're getting through it the best you can and receiving so much love and so much help but scientology would not be the place that would offer you any comfort as uh, they wouldn't uh, John or any celebrity. Scientology is what it is. The technology is applied uh, in this way, I would say universally. But I mean, not, not in a lot of other ways. They make a lot of uh, um, exceptions for John and, and Tom Cruise specifically, but nobody else. But I don't think they would, the only data that they have, they don't understand or teach compassion or empathy in Scientology teachings. And a lot of these people were born and raised in the Sea Org who are administering Scientology. So they didn't have, they weren't raised with any compassion or empathy. So they don't even know how to fucking imitate that. And all they know is like, they, they get out the book. What the fuck does it say to do? What does L. Ron Humbert say to do? Okay, well, was there an earlier similar time you had a similar loss? Okay. Is there an earlier time you had a similar loss? I mean, they, they don't know what else to do. Right. Other than that. Yep. And they keep doing that until you just go, I guess, yeah. You go earlier lifetimes, you're talking nonsense, you're talking craziness, so you actually never get to really... Deal with the pain of it. Yep. And if you do, a month later, come back. I'm sure this was the same for your ex-wife, Kathy. She went right back to post, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. Did she of ever course. bring it up? Um, sad about this, Mike? Uh, need to talk to you about it, Mike? Nope. We weren't right. even in the same city, Leah. Right. We were on different sides of the country. 
Yeah, but even if you were, Mike, even yeah, if you were in the, she, she uh, being raised in the Scientology and the Sea Org, it is also apt to just move on and get on with it. Yep. All right. What's next, Mikey? Okay. The Dapper Downstat. Now, this person <laughs> wins the award for the name of the day. Okay. <laughs> Mike and Leah. Of all of L. Ron Hubbard's written policies, which do you think is the most bizarre? By bizarre, I'm thinking more his off-the-wall rules like phones a psycho policy or his ban on registered mail or and not so much cruel and unusual. You guys have already done a great job exposing the latter category. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I read this question, there were two policies that I thought of that I went, okay, People will read these and go, this is absolute raving psychobabble. One is the is the often cited and not obscure at all Hubbard writing called Jokers and Degraders. And this, I'm going to put this on the blog and on the website. Uh-huh. This is the the sort of dictate that nobody in Scientology may make any joke whatsoever about Scientology. Like, or, or, or senior or, Scientologists. Or senior Scientologists or anything, or even, even hint at that that there may be something that is uh, worthy of a laugh about right. anything related to Scientology. It mm-hmm. is so out there. The other one is one of the last things that Hubbard wrote, and and it is called Pain and Sex. Mm-hmm. And it, too, is... Insane. Perhaps it, it, it's now is this insane. is this about the cologne wearing the perfume wearing because they sh- they used to show me that policy all the time because they no, claim that the perfume okay so because the perfume and the cologne one was about pulling somebody into a trap yeah that the purpose of perfume was to trap and trap people. I can't remember. It might be in pain and sex. And Which, by I'm the way, I do out. not. I don't know that I fully disagree with. I have had sex with some questionable-looking guys <laughs> just because they were wearing cologne. <laughs> so, oh, he might have been onto something with that. I was pulled into their little <laughs> cologne trap, and then when I was like, "Huh," I looked up and I was like, "All right," I looked down and I was like, "What the fuck?" You know, Hubbard in his cologne business and his smells and perfumes and dust and shit was completely lunatic over the top. You know that you could not wear anything with any scent anywhere near him. His clothes were hand washed and rinsed seven times. Insane. Seven times by hand. Just so people know, you're not allowed to wear scents. In Scientology. So Scientologists are walking around with all that natural uh, <laughs> smell, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, and uh, literally, Mike, you know how I got away with this? I remember I was on course once, you know, like I'm just sitting there like John Travolta was in the next room. And Jenna Elfman complained about my scent. And the supervisor came over and said, can, can I see you in the other room? I was like, of course. 
go in the other room and they show me the advice. It was an advice written by Elon <laughs> right. Hubbard about sense, right? Yep. And I go, well, so A, this is not a policy because I know my fucking Scientology, everybody. And I go, this isn't an advice, which means just that. Look that up. Clear it. Let me know. Second, I'm wearing an oil and not a perfume. There is a difference. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. What a wise ass. Anyway, yeah. So pain and sex, Mike. And uh, okay. I mean, that sounds nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wait until you read it. No, no, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, you got another one? Because I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, good, good. Okay. Judy, here is my question, which I ask with heavy sarcasm. If Scientology, <laughs> quote, uses scientific approaches to help people self-actualize their full potential, unquote, why are they not embarrassed to have produced such terrible people like Mike Rinder, Leah Remini, and all the people that you have highlighted on the aftermath. <laughs> After all, these people have given most of their life to Scientology, and yet, according to the church, they're wife abusers, child sex traffickers, and all-around terrible people. Right. You would think Scientology would have produced better people, LOL. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's more of a statement than a question. I agree. Of course. Of course. And we have often commented that, yeah. listen, if if I'm such a rotten person and, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel of the, of the Earth's inhabitants, yeah. then how did I rise to the top of Scientology? Well, there, there's a f- I'll give you a few answers to that. First, you were an awful person whilst in Scientology. As Correct. well was so as I. You are now not that person. You are. I am trying not to be that person anymore. We are trying to offset and work on uh, being real parents to our children uh, for the first time in our lives. We are trying to be better people by going to therapy and reading books and opening our minds and trying to do the work that we weren't doing while in Scientology. Uh, real philanthropic activities that we weren't doing in Scientology. And so, Mike, you know, we were, you know, to just comment on her comment, which is very smart, uh, we were perfect for Scientology when we were all those things in Scientology. Well, we weren't those things. You weren't a child abuser. You didn't even see your children, uh, Benjamin and Taryn. Correct. But funny, she doesn't hold the same disdain for her mother. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. By the way, the pictures (laughs) that you're... Your daughter, in quotes, posts with her and her mother, probably the only fucking picture she have of her has right. of her and her mother. Yep. The staged photos of mother and daughter fighting against Mike Rinder, the wife and baby beater. Yep. Um, anyway, great, great, great comment. Yes. Uh, I, there was a question about Mimi Rogers um, here, and I was, I was trying to look for that uh, because oh, it, yeah. it was about no mention of her and why she's not labeled an SP. Um, Cause she dated Tom. She got Tom Cruise into Scientology, right? Yep. Oh, that's from MR. I didn't write this question, Leah. Okay. I see it there. I, trust I don't you. recall a discussion of Mimi Rogers, Tom Cruise's first wife 
and got him into Scientology. My understanding, she's no longer with the church, and I'm not aware of any controversy surrounding her regarding her being labeled an SP or whatever. What can you tell us about her? How active was she in the church? Why and how did she leave? Thanks. Do you know? No. Oh. I mean, I know how active she was in the church. Her dad was a very prominent Scientologist, Mimi's yeah. dad. Okay. And he had a, what's called a mission in Scientology, you know, one of these places that uh, where people are newly introduced to Scientology. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Mimi was trained as a Scientology auditor from a very young age. And yes, she got Tom Cruise into Scientology. Tom Cruise then, uh, when filming Days of Thunder, fell in love with Nicole uh -huh. and decided that he wanted to divorce Mimi. Uh -huh. So David Miscavige, with his sidekick Greg Wilhair, organized and facilitated Mimi getting out of the picture uh, to enable Tom to then court Nicole, Nicole and eventually marry her. How that exactly went down, I don't know. Well, How I'm assuming that Mimi, again, people who are not speaking publicly, have done so because they have signed something. I assume so too. Yeah, I, I don't know that. I'm just assuming that because that's yeah. been our experience with people who leave Scientology and don't speak out when they can. Right. And I assume that that is the case. And that was what I was next going to say is she seems to have decided that the end of her marriage was the end of her activities in Scientology. And she went off and is and, and by the way, being an who can actress. blame her when your church when you find out that your church is part of uh, destroying your relationship for a bigger name or you know you, you claim to be able to fix everything. Why couldn't you fix my marriage with my husband? Right. Not interested. Right. Just as they had a big hand uh, per Marty Rathbun in destroying uh, Nicole's relationship you know, Tom's relationship with Nicole uh, based on what Marty has said about what what happened there with Nicole and Tom. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's convenient. It's these and things And by the way, happen. this could be found on Marty's blog. He admits to looking in Nicole's confession folders. Uh, this is the story, right? We don't even know this. It was intentional to disparage Nicole, right? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. And gave Tom information about her and that it I mean and and by the way, we know this happens, Mike, because you've done it, because yeah. it's happened to me, because uh Nazanin told us that that's what happened with her. That's how they conveniently broke up Naz and her boyfriend by yep. going in his confessions and seeing the things that he confessed in his Scientology auditing because Tom wanted to date Nas. And so Tom Davis said, you know, your boyfriend did this, this, and this. He confessed that to us, and then she broke up with him. Well, yep. they told her to break up with him because they were putting her on a special mission for Scientology, and that's how Tom uh, got to date Nas. Right. A coordinated actually, effort. Actually, I'll put that Vanity Fair story by Maureen Orth, which details all of this. Also, right. a link to that on the blog, too. 
just in case. Right. Yeah, this is all all very well documented. Yes, okay. see what's next alana do you think david m listens to your podcast or watch your show i understand you weren't allowed as a scientologist but as he is head he would have to know wouldn't he yes <laughs> i doubt that he listens but i'm sure he has someone that someone that listens and gives him a report yes like detailed this is exactly what they said and here's everything they said about you and yeah. here is uh this was the things that they, that uh seemed to be uh we don't want anybody to know about that they talked about. Right. Like they have Karen Powell, who's the current voice for David Miscavige and PR for Scientology, who does them no favors, by the way. So if you are translating this, please get your heads out of your asses for once. And, and get some real PR people, because uh, and the Stan League is also their front group for who who do Mike watch everything we do and right. listen to everything we say and they worked for uh, Mike's former group called the Office of Special Affairs and this is what they do day in day out attack listen and attack and try to discredit but again they're not doing you guys any fucking favors either they look like a bunch of lunatics which is what they are but anyway all right. Okay, Philip Lukau. I am from Germany, and in Germany, Scientology is not viewed as a religion. My question is, do Scientologists know that Scientology is not declared as a religion over here? If so, don't they wonder why? No, they know why. Yes, I was just going to... That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to No, they know why. <laughs> exactly. A and they know why because Scientology tells them why. And Scientology tells them that the reason that Scientology is not recognized as a religion in Germany is because of the horrible history that Germany obviously has with respect to treatment of religions. Don't you remember what happened to the Jews in Germany? Literally, mm -hmm. Scientology seeks to equate mm -hmm. the fact that they have not being recognized as a religion in Germany, in fact, the exact opposite, that they are watched by the Office for the Protection of the Constitution of Germany as a danger to the German constitution and the freedom of individuals in Germany. And the reason is because everybody knows all Germans are Nazis. And that literally, in fact... It went so far as taking out full-page advertisements in the, the International Herald Tribune mm -hmm. claiming that Scientology's treatment by the German government equated to the treatment of the Third Reich against the Jews. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's an answer for everything. <laughs> like I said, Mike, they need to start thinking about their PR lines, and they need to start thinking about the Karen Powells and the fucking, uh, what's that lunatic's name from the Stan League? Oh, Ed Parkin. Ed Parkin. Fast Eddie. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta do better, David, <laughs> if I might. Well, the problem is they don't have anybody left who's True. better. They're, they're like scraping the bottom of the barrel. 
Gotcha. Uh, this is from Catherine Parr. Lee, I'm very interested in your experience with therapy after leaving Scientology. Do you, you want that one, Mike, or no? Sure. You like this question? What convinced you to start therapy? Do you see a therapist specializing in leaving Scientology and cults, and how did you get past the distrust of psychology that you were taught? What helps you the most in therapy? I'll tell you, nothing about therapy or um, psychology is Scientology. There's nothing. I mean, you know, I'm in school now, and I'm learning – uh, I, I and I actually said this to Valerie the other day, Mike. I said, "Do you understand that if we were educated, we could not be in Scientology past the basic courses? Like we'd have a problem in Dianetics if we were in knew anything about psychology, knew anything about uh, child development, the brain development, trauma." I mean, if we read Dianetics, which is mandatory, where the, the words uh, of L. Ron Hubbard say, and this is not an old copy, Scientology stands by it today, they just say it's misunderstood. It isn't misunderstood. That a seven-year-old girl should not be upset about being passionately kissed by a grown man. And if she is upset, she's just not computing, meaning she's just not thinking right. If we had any education in the fields that I just mentioned, Mike, yeah, we could not be Scientologists. And that is why cults like Scientology, cult-like setups do not want you to look, do not want you to be educated because they cannot control you if you are. And I said this when I was in Scientology. Why can't I look on the internet? I mean, why can't I... Like, know what people are saying. I'm in the public eye. I need to look at these sites. I need to see what people are saying. Yep. Like, why can't you guys stand up to some fucking scrutiny like the rest of them? Like, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Let me look. I was like a child begging them. Let me look without being punished. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Don't take away my screen time. And what they said was, what they said was, you know, you're just, contributing a click to your enemy. So like, if that's the basic answer, Leah, let that just be an acceptable answer. Like, why would you contribute to things that are bad in the world that are going up against your religion? And, you know, from that standpoint, I was like, no, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, why would I want to contribute to somebody? You know what I mean? And, but, but to get back to the answer. um, So I never had a, a mistrust other than, what Scientology taught me, which was that psychiatry is the worst, psychology is the worst. It's the basic answer to all of man's ills. And I just didn't find that to be true. I found compassion. I found acceptance. I found an education. I found somebody pushing me to believe in myself more, to go back to school this person has been an enormous resource for me. All the books that I listed on your site, Mike, and maybe we yeah, should yeah. List, list them again, um, all came from my therapist. Because what I am is learning my traumas. I'm learning about the big traumas in my life and the little traumas in my life that you know have been diagnosed, all of us, with PTSD uh, for what we've experienced as children and adults in Scientology. And Mike you know, for the abuse that he received um, as a child and as an adult. And that, that's not easy to get over. Um, so it's not like I'm good. Like, I'm still working. I'm still a work in progress. I still 
fight everything and everybody. I still, you know, the smallest encounter, I'm ready to be like, what, what do you say? You know, I'm still working on, like, not being a Scientologist. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. I just want to add to that. Yeah. You know, I, I know your therapist. Yeah. And one thing that, and I, I've met quite a number of others too. One thing that always strikes me is their intelligence. Mm -hmm. They are super, super smart people who are smart without being superior. Right. Do you know what I mean by that? Like they don't have to, they don't have to, to impose themselves on you with their smartness, but they're so smart that they know how to navigate things that we haven't yet figured out. Mike. So I was home Saturday, right? This is just a little parent story for everybody. So Saturday morning, I wake up, I open the door to let the dog out and I see 500 pairs of shoes. Okay. I'm like, Oh, Sophia had a sleepover. A lot of them were boy shoes. So Angelo comes down and he goes, yeah, the boys are in the, in the other room and the girls are in Sophia's room. I go, okay. And he goes, but I'll tell you, Lee, you got all in an uproar. I don't want this house to be the hookup house. And you know, he starts going crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, Gramps, hookups are going to happen regardless if you're sitting in the room. With, like, the, we find a way, Angelo. Okay. You're just thinking of yourself and your sneaky little <laughs> corny ass at her age. You know what I mean? And I know it's hard. You have a daughter. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's. Yep. Okay. So anyway, I wake up and I'm like, oh, okay, this is my chance to be a mom. Because, <laughs> you know, they turn a certain age and all of a sudden they just, it seems like they don't need you. And I know ultimately that they do, right? That, right. But I'm feeling extremely, extremely emotional this year. Like about Sophia leaving because it's her right. senior. Look, I'm gonna cry now. I know. It's her. Okay, it's her senior year, right? So I'm like, okay. So I get up. I'm like, I'm gonna make hot chocolate. I'm gonna make scones. I'm gonna, you know. So I like make a whole hot chocolate thing, you know, with candy, um, uh, candy cane shavings, chocolate shavings. I put it all out like cute. I put music on downstairs. <laughs> you know, like festive holiday music. I'm like, oh my God, this is the fucking cutest thing, right? So that when she comes down with her friends, we're like, oh, that's, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I write her and I go, hey, babe, I don't know if you know, but like I made like cinnamon buns and scones. <laughs> They're down here with hot chocolate. There's a whole setup. She's like, thanks, but we're all going out for coffee. So I'm like, gulp, <laughs> gulp. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. So she goes, and all the kids just file out. Like, I already called an Uber. I'm like, anybody want to scope? <laughs> put it, I have to go cut. They're like, no, thank you, Mrs. Pagan. Okay. So then Sophia comes home, and I'm like, hey, so you want to hang out? You want to watch a show? Joe, I heard is good. You is good. You, you want to watch you? I already watched it, Mom. Like I've watched already three seasons. No, 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 yeah. You know. Anyway, I'll see you. I'll see you later. I'm going to Yasmin's. We have homework to do. Of course, of course. <laughs> so I find myself at like four o'clock watching three seasons of you. 
by myself. Was it good? I have some notes. Yeah, it was good. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, I have some notes. Yeah. All right. Mike, I just start hysterical crying in a place where I just could not, like, I, I could not get out of. And I start looking for resources online, you know, like, said, your kid is leaving to college. Because most of my friends are like, aren't you happy she's leaving? This is part of growing up. And I'm like, not fucking helpful. I'm destroyed over this. I could hardly look at her without crying. You know what I mean? Right. So anyway, long story short, like, I just write this person. Because I'm like, who do I go to for this? And right. I forget that this isn't a, I, I write her all the time. I'm about to smack the shit out of this bitch. I'm at a fucking food court and I see this woman. She's about to hit her kid. Got into some words with her. Don't really know how to handle that. Because I already, right. we already, ha- right? So I text her all the time. <laughs> but in this case, I said, just crying. Here. Sad about something. Don't want her to go. Right. She writes. And I said, and I feel useless. I feel useless. Like it used to be Scientology and work. Then it was Scientology. Then it was, then it was work and family. But now Angelo's gone most of the time at the restaurant because they opened at night and he's singing and he's golfing and he's happy and he's watching his sports. And my mother doesn't want anything. I beg her to have dinner with me. She's like, I'm good. Playing, playing game, playing my games with my friends. I'm like, okay. If you want to come over and play Mahjong at my own house, Leah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I told her I'm feeling useless, right? She writes me back. Sophia leaving is one of the most wonderful, your most wonderful successes. It makes sense to have a lot of emotions around this idea and just make sure it also holds the awareness that you've raised a really... Incredible young woman. I can't even get through this. Who's about to launch into the next stage of her life. Thanks to the really impressive job you've been doing as her mother. And you'll continue to be her mother throughout this next stage. And you'll continue to grow together and be good for each other in new and exciting ways. And I just thought that was so sweet. (laughs) Look at me. I'm a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It's, so yeah, it's it, but, it's but, like hard, but like to have this kind of person in your life, right? I mean, if I was in Scientology and I went to my counselor in Scientology, they'd be like, Lee, what the fuck is this misemotion? Because they call any emotion misemotion, which is right. bad emotion, right? Yep. You notice and, she doesn't say anything about that. Right. And you know what I was just going to say to you? Huh? Just look at you. You have come from a place where this sort of emotion and reaction to things was so frowned upon and unacceptable and suppressed. Yes. And you were made to feel bad and wrong about it. Yeah. To the point where, look, this is now life. And yeah. you're experiencing life like life should be lived. Yeah. Not, even though some of it's uncomfortable, some of yeah. it's sort of ugly, some of it's shitty, some of it's upsetting, whatever. But it's life. Yeah. And, you know, from that perspective, sitting here while you you cry about Fee going off to, to college and 
is sort of uh again you know that yeah. that text says look at the great job you've done and yeah. th- and treat this as something that is an accomplishment yeah you sitting here bawling your eyes out is somewhat of an accomplishment too completely i feel completely embarrassed <laughs> by it but you know i feel like at the same and that's my scientology thing right but it, there, I'm sure there's a mom and dad out there or a primary caregiver, right? Somebody who's raised children who understands what I'm going through. And maybe yes. they won't feel so alone because, you know, I found one blog where a lady was talking about uh, and another and a father because he, he primarily took care of his daughter, right? Even though the wife was at home, she was the primary um, breadwinner. And the dad was going through this loss, Right. Yeah, and I but I only found like two. Like every other one is like, yeah, glad my fucking kids are out. Couldn't wait for them to go, and it's time for them to be adults. And I'm like, and where's my people? So maybe through this today, you know, I'll meet some of my people who are as devastated as I am over this. There's plenty of them out there. Yeah, you can talk to Christy. She's already worried about it. Yeah, it's gonna be horrible. <laughs> and Shane is a freshman. Yeah. In yeah. high school. Yeah. He's not a senior. He's a freshman. Yeah. And she's already worried about it. It's horrible. So it's, it's horrible. I, I But anyway, agree. thank you. And thank you for the love, Mike. I just think like it's, it's, uh, therapy has been, it, although it might not seem like that because I'm sitting here crying, but it, it's like Mike said, this is not something we were taught. And even if we were to do this while Scientologists, it would be beaten out of us. This would not be yep. something that would be met with a sympathetic tone or face or a friendly gesture. This would be like, knock it the fuck off and get to fucking work. And like, you need some, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This would be really like highly unorthodox. Yep. Yep. Okay. Do we have time for more? For one more? Well, we should probably end off here. We'll do another one. We'll, okay. Uh, you know. These these things, there's a never-ending supply, and I always thoroughly enjoy them. Well, Mike, I'm going to keep these questions that you that we have. There's many pages of them. I'm going to keep them for the next time because there's some really good ones in here. And I'm sorry that I took time uh, with my story, but it's it's you know when you talk about therapy and children and you know this woman losing her child, it's like this is. You know, we did an episode on the Jehovah's Witnesses, and we've made, we've talked a lot about the connection between Scientology and and child abuse, which both Mike and I are very passionate about. Um, and uh, I don't. This is just an area that is getting me so incensed. Not because I, uh, I'm just finding out about it, but because of therapy, because of the books that my therapist recommends. Do things get unraveled even more so? I see how how horrible these environments are for children. Mm. And it's your job to make sure that you're you're doing right by your kids. You know? Yep. And it's yep. I don't know that I'm doing the best job, but I'm doing a better job than I would have if I was in Scientology, I can tell you that. Yes, no no doubt about that. Yeah. So anyway, Mike, we'll put up those books again. Uh, yes. I, I have a new one to send you. Okay. Um, that I'll I recommend for list. people. Yeah, no, because I recommend that this is a, this is actually a workbook for people uh, who've experienced trauma who might not know what trauma is, and so I just wanted to add uh, this little workbook for people. Okay. Good. Yeah. 
Um, okay, you guys, thank you for listening. Sorry about that. I mean, and I'm not sorry. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, oh. I, that, like it happens, you know? And it's okay that I show emotion, and it's okay that you hear emotion. And uh, thank you, Mike, for being a good friend, as always. You too, Lily. I love you. And thank you love for you listening. Too. Until next time. Bye. A quick programming note, there will be no new episode of the podcast next week as we take off for Thanksgiving. See you the week after.